Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Shabbat Shalom. I would like to start with a joke. It's a good icebreaker. Three Orthodox Jews suffering from the consequences of COVID-19. They flew in from New York to Florida in order to, they were working in, they were life insurance agents, young men and Orthodox. They flew to Florida to a conference to get their business going. So they were sitting together on a plane, Avram, Yitzchak, and Moishele. And lo and behold, they're sitting down and a, telev- a, 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 a televangelist, yeah, he also lost his business, he's lost his private jet using domestic flights. He saw those Orthodox Jews, so he was excited. And right there after the plane left from the ground, he approached them and started to preach to them about Yeshua, Jesus, and Jesus is your Messiah. And those Orthodox Jews, they were looking at each other like, oh, you're going to speak about you all day. And he kept on preaching to them. He was really excited to see those Jews and to speak with them about the Messiah. Eventually, uh, one of the guys, Moishele, said, hey, uh, preacher, can we speak in the back of the plane? And the preacher says, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be love, I'd love to speak with one of the sons of the chosen people. And they spoke until the end of the flight. And, you know, Avram was talking to Isaac and said, Oi, you know, Moishele is going to be a Christian. What are we going to do? Anyway, in the end of the flight, the preacher, that televangelist, hugged Moishele like that, embraced him to his bosom. And they said goodbye and they left. And they walked together, all those three Orthodox Jews. They were walking to the baggage claim and... and uh, Avremale and Yitzchak looking at Moishele and they said, well, did you become Christian? Did he convince you that Jesus is the Mashiach? So Moishele looked at them and said, I was almost convinced, but then I succeeded to sell him and his family and all his congregation life insurance. <laughs> so, I would like to share with you a message that actually I was supposed to give here in after service class. And I'll, tell, I'll give you the date, March 3rd, 20. If you remember Rabbi Schiller, you asked me to speak in a class After service. But lo and behold, in that time, COVID hit. And we didn't come. We didn't meet in that time. It was March 20. And Corona came forward. We had the reality of COVID and we were forced to remain at home. For two years, that note 
those notes were in my Bible bag. And I was looking at those notes wondering, what do I do with those notes? I mean, I had the, every, all the notes ready. And why do I keep it in my bag? Now, about a month ago, Rabbi Schiller asked me to speak. A month, a month and a half ago. And I was praying about what will be the message for the Kehillah. What will be, what will I speak about? And suddenly while I was looking at the scriptures and trying to find uh, which material can I use and, and seeking the Lord's face, suddenly I see those notes again. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you speak about with those notes. You're going to share with those. Because our God, our God never leave things behind. He doesn't waste things. Yeshua, you know, when he made the miracle of the, the fish and the bread, he said to his disciples, give me all the leftovers. Give me all the leftovers. Some people say, oh, it's a mystery. They're speaking about this mystery. Why did, did Yeshua ask for the leftovers? The answer is simple. He's Jewish. I don't know if you know, ever sat with a, with a person, a Jewish person in a, in a restaurant. You know, especially those old guys from Florida. They would say, hey, what should we take? Everything. Jewish. And God does not leave leftovers, nothing behind. He let me keep that, those notes... Because our God is a God that He's a redeeming God. He's a God of redemption. And whatever it seems to be taken from us, or whatever is stolen from us, our God wants us to go back and take it. I feel to speak with you about this message to tell you that whatever you felt that you lost during the COVID time or whatever you lost at all, the Lord is speaking to you today. He said, come and take it back. Come, go back and claim it. Take it back. Because our God is a redeeming God and that our God doesn't like to lose. Our God is a victorious God. And you can claim it. You can take it back. And I'll tell you how you can start with it. With the knees on the floor or on your carpet in your home. And nose down. He will lift those who humble themselves. And he will give you. Even when you're going to go. When you have the guts. To go to the enemy's camp. And take it, he will even give you more than you thought that you can get. Our God is a redeeming God. He redeems us personally and nationally. He is Mechaye Hametim. He brings life. I'll tell you something. It will be pointless to us. Pointless to us. To practice Messianic Judaism without totally understanding and knowing in our hearts, in faith, 
about the resurrection. It will be pointless. It will be pointless. And this is what God wants to do with us. He wants to redeem us. He wants to revive us. And eventually, He will revive us personally. From the grave. From the tomb. He wants us to go to the enemy's camp. And claim it. And take what the enemy stole from us. I just now came back from uh, a very sad journey to New York City. Visiting a brother. I'm sure that some of you know him. Aaron Mendez. And visit his wife. Genia. They lost their five-year-old daughter. If not, it was not... A happy event to visit my dear friend and brother, Aaron Mendez, that I know him for 22 years. But he said to me two things, Aaron. He said, Shaul, the world has nothing to offer me. All I'm seeking is for God's glory. And all I know is that one day I will see my daughter and nothing will be able to separate between us. A powerful statement for a man that mourned for the loss of his daughter. He knows that one day he will end up victorious. So, what did I study for March 21st, two years ago? It was... From the book of Bereshit, the book of Genesis, chapter 20. You can turn. By the way, I don't have any slides. So, David asked me, do you have any slides? I said, no, I do it the old way. Without slides. Whoever have ears, let him hear. Amen. Amen. Genesis 20. So obviously we studied the parasha, parashat Vayar. I'll read the first few verses in Hebrew. And then after that in English. misham Avraham ben Kadesh uven shur vayagar bigrar. ויאמר אברהם אל שרה אשתו, אחותי היא, וישלח אבימלך מלך גרר, ויקח את שרה. ויבוא אלוהים אל אבימלך בחלום הלילה, ויאמר לו, הנך מת על האישה אשר לקחת, והיא בעולת בעל. ואבימלך לא קרב אליה. ויאמר, אדוני, הגוי גם צדיק תהרוג? הלוא הוא אמר לי, אחותי היא. והיא, גם היא אמרה, אחי, היא הוא, בתום לבבי ובניקיון כפיי עשיתי זאת. Now Abraham journeyed from there towards the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Avimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Avimelech in the dream of the night and said to him, 
Behold, you are dead men because of the woman who have taken, for she is married. Now Avimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a nation even though blameless? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? This is a verse, by the way, will you slow a nation even though it's innocent? It's not just nation. Hagoigam Tzadik, it's talking about nation, but also an individual that is a righteous man. So Avimelech was standing for himself. Hagoigam Tzadik Ta'arog. A Gentile. Will you kill a righteous Gentile? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister, and she herself said, he is my brother, is in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. One of the biggest sins that are on the top list of sins in the eyes of God is to have dominion over someone. When a man have dominion over his friend, over his wife, over his anyone, it's a great sin to have dominion and especially if you have dominion out of your self motives. It is horrible in the eyes of the Lord to have dominion over someone and cause that someone to sin for you. You'll be surprised to find out how much pain we have in our family cell How much pain could be in your family because of experience of someone having and practicing dominion and cause manipulation in order that they, he or she, will be moved forward in life, get promoted in life. There are unbelievable scars. I'm sure that it's in very room. There are scars that cause in the soul that cause especially unforgiveness and distrust. Abraham dwelled in the Negev in a very deserty area and not just geographically he was in his mind he dwelt in a place that is ungodly and that brought to him his uh, instinct of survival. Did you ever cause someone to do something for you, to lie, to manipulate in order that you will survive and move up in whatever life can offer you? Did anyone ever use you to lie, to manipulate in order that that person will gain some protection. This is exactly what happened here with Abraham. Abraham was blessed with a great flock. Of course, he wanted to, to provide for that flock 
water and food so his flock would not die but Abraham had a very major problem actually two first his wife was very beautiful even though in that time she was 60 years old supposed to be an older cocker if you can call it in Yiddish but no she was a beautiful woman in her 60s he thought and second the second most the problem that he had he thought that he's the only righteous person on the face of the planet and that everybody else around him are just wicked dark I'm sure that he didn't think like him I'm positive of that but he thought this way like Elijah same story was it with Elijah when he went to Mount Horev and he went to see the Lord he met him in the cave what did he say I'm the only one stood before Adonai I'm the only one that survived and God told him calm down there are 7,000 that didn't kneel to the Baal and I preserved them it's easy to be when especially when oppression when this pressure is coming to you you think that and we think that we are the only one out there that are righteous and then our hearts become fattened and because of that we start to justify our actions in order to survive in this world in order to make things happen to us because hey, the world is so dark they're, they hate the, the believers and and therefore I uh, I'm not gonna be get this position in, in in my job because they hate the believers and so I have to do something in order to get that job because I have to survive and even if I have uh, white lies if I speak or lie a white lie in order to promote myself the Lord can understand that because all this place of work is dark and obviously because I'm a believer I, I deserve it I deserve more don't I deserve more just because I'm a believer hey why not I deserve more I deserve that promotion I deserve that position because all the rest are wicked and then we slowly get to this place of manipulations and doctrines and speaking to ourselves trying to make sense to ourselves when we lie to ourselves and lie to others in order to promote ourselves and to protect ourselves to survive when we are caught in this mindset when we are going to eventually to be with the Lord I'm sure that all of us will be surprised will be surprised how many people around us in our neighborhoods in our streets next to us in our cities how many people that we didn't we consider and thought that they are not believers how many of them are really 
God worshipers fearing the Lord with all their hearts. I'm sure that we will be surprised to see the amount. We're also going to be surprised if you continue with that pattern of behavior of us. We'll be surprised what the Lord will tell us, will say to us when we are going to move in to our eternal award or reward. The best verse that I could think of, it's a verse that all of us read, Psalm chapter 23. I'll start with verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. I think that one of the greatest manipulations or deception that the enemy is radiate to us through media especially is to portray a picture, to portray uh, an image that everything and all the world is completely wicked. That everything is dark. That all the people that are around us are lost. They're kaput. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to. They are so into whatever. Human rights. The LGBTQ community. They're into wickedness things. They're into drugs. They're into this. They're into this. And that we don't have a chance. A slight of a chance to make a difference. The enemy is radiating that on us on a daily basis. And whoever disagrees with me, let him rise up again. We say in Israel, if somebody does disagree with me, let him rise up. I don't think so. Especially, he radiates to us that there is no chance that we can stand in front of those realities and make a difference and this is the most dangerous realm that we can get into with that deception because immediately the first thing that we think is we adding entering to a position of surviving oh i want to take care of my children i want to i want to protect them from all this evil world i want to do this i, I just want to survive i want to keep myself Sustain myself. This is the most dangerous thing. David said, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, it's very interesting. Psalm 23 speaks to it. The first few verses are beautiful. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he, he makes my soul so joyful. It's beautiful. Beautiful verses. But suddenly there is the transit, the chain. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. David Realize that, that we will have to go through tight spots. We will have to go to a place that will require us not to be afraid. 
We are going to go through storms. We are going to confront ungodly realities. We are going to confront famine. We are going to confront those things. And the only thing that will hold us is knowing that Adonai is with us. So therefore, when we enter to a, this dangerous place of surviving and keeping and observing what we got, that does not belong to us anyway, it belongs to the Lord. We are not effective in sharing the good news. Bring light to dark places. In other words, we don't follow his di the direct commandment of Yeshua to resurrect lehakim talmidim, to resurrect disciples. And the second problem that we gain from that while we are gathering ourselves, while we are surviving, while we are entering into this mode, we start to come to this place of self-justification. Self-justification, atzmit in Hebrew. That in that way, in that way we are going to do, make manipulations, we are going to lie, we are going to lie to ourselves. We're going to lie to others, and worst of all, we're going to cause, like Abraham did to Sarah, dominion over her. Lie for me, say you are my sister. Psalm 4, 23, verse 4. Let's ask the next, the following questions. First, where is the sovereignty of our Lord in our lives? How much do we trust him? How much do we trust him? Three, is there any situation that we have to enter in our lives to a situation of surviving through manipulations, lies, white lies, deception? How much do we trust him that he will provide for us safety? security, provision, and all that we need with education, without education, with a job, without a job, with the desired job, without the desired job, and the mountains, in the valleys, through COVID, without COVID, I just want you to know one thing, that if you decide to get into this rat race, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen rats in, in, in a race, when they're racing. It's unfair. They're biting each other. It's weird. But if you think that you, in this world, will go to the rat race and eventually you will win that rat, rat race, you'll look in the mirror and what will you see? You'll see a rat. A big rat. Nothing surprises our Lord. At Hakabdosh Baruch Hu, nothing surprises Him. Not our status in our, in our lives, not our geographical location, not our health, not our mental status, not our economical status. 
If we lose a place of work, a job, the Lord already knew about it. Nothing surprises Him. We are commanded not to worry. We are commanded to trust Him. Even though we walk in the valley of the shadow of death. And from my life experience, over every 10 doors that were shut in my face, there was one door that was open, unbelievable. And you knew that it was the Lord and you walk in it. Oh man. And you get favor. You get everything in that wide door. Amen. Amen. And we shouldn't live in numbness. This is the lesson from Genesis 20. We shouldn't and we must not live in numbness. To our environment, to our streets, to our neighbor, to our neighbors, to our neighborhood, to our city. There are people out there that are just waiting for something. They are just waiting for something. Something doesn't make sense to them in this life. The only thing, the only chip that will hit into their heart is Yeshua. For me, for example... The old, before I came to know Judaism, you know, I, it's a long story, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it as short as possible. I was in the Far East and I had this experience with God. I'm not going to speak that lengthily, but the Lord spoke to me and said, Adonai is the real God. And I, I went back and I said, okay, I'm going to be an Orthodox Jew, even though for me, Judaism was looked like a, the Mona Lisa picture without the lips. Something was missing. I didn't know what it was. But something was missing. I couldn't understand it. It's a spiritual thing. And then, my goodness, when I went back to the land and I tried to practice Orthodox Judaism, and then, bam, that evangelist that spoke to me, and, I, and then I start to read the Bible through his testimony, this book, his, his own testimony that was in the book. And then I was like, wow, Yeshua is the, is the lips of the Mona Lisa. Bam, boom. So, but you don't know how many people are like there out there. You have no idea. You have no idea. Don't, don't let the enemy bombard him. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me is about go and share leaflets in Kroger. I'm going to Kroger, you know, and passing tracks. If sometimes I'm, I'm running mostly to Gentiles, non-Jews, but sometimes I'm running to Jewish people. The Lord led me to lead two people in Kroger to the Lord. In Kroger. Kroger. I, I want to share with you something that I even didn't even share with my wife. Okay. Um, and it, it is something that I have learned through my son. Through my seven-year-old son. You know, he, uh, I give him the brochure, brochures to pass. And, you know, how can, you know, he comes over and he stands like that. He's very official. This is for you. Hello, this is for you. This is how he does it. This is for you. Hello, this is for you. And how could you resist? You know, most of the ladies they see, you know, his cute seven-year-old. Oh, thank you. You know, they'll slap the father, but hey, what can they do to a seven-year-old? I'm just kidding. But I want to share with you an event. But before that, I want to share with you a little bit about some conclusion that I had when I was in the Far East. I remember I was in, in, a, in, a, in a Thai city called Chiang Mai. 
And I just rented a motorcycle. I was so excited. I was in the roof of the world. I, I rented a motorcycle. I am a free person. And I'm riding in Chiang Mai, enjoying myself and enjoy the views and everything. Lo and behold, I said a lot of time, lo and behold here, I don't know why. Bam, I hear a, 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 a noise, something hit my, my uh, motorcycle. I'm looking and I see a stone, I'm telling you, this big. Hit, it hit the tank of the motorcycle. I almost lost balance and I see the roll, stone rolling like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh. There was a Thai man, probably thought I'm Israeli. This is what was in my mind back then. And he, he just decided to throw a stone and hit me. So in my heart, right there, I was like, oh, those Thai people. Suddenly, I was like, oh, those Thai people, they just smile at you. But all they want is your money. All they want is, and they're hateful. And a day after that, I even saw a Thai man with a swastika on him. Thai man with a swastika, how can a Thai man with a swastika? I mean, it was not a blonde man with blue eyes or a shaved head. No, it's a Thai man with a swastika. And I'm like, again, oh, all of them are anti-Semites. And oh, there's no chance that they will love the Jewish people, nothing like that. And I, it was, I'm telling you, that, that story was in my heart for 20, almost 30 years. Now, why do I share that with you? Because I went with my son, I love to go to a Chinese supermarket, it's called Ranch 99. I'm not here to advertise for you, I'm just sharing with you. So, and my son suddenly said, oh, Abba, I don't know if I want to share with the Chinese people. I said, why? He said, I don't know why, I feel intimidated by them. And I'm like, you know, I'm the Abba, and I'm saying, like, oh, my son, they were all created by God's image, they, they should be shared. So he said, okay, Abba, I'll do it. So we decided to go to Ranch 99. Next to it, there was a Baba tea. I don't know if you know what is a Baba tea. So I'm like, I was in my lazy mode. My son is excited to pass leaflets. We're sitting in a Baba tea place. And I'm in, sitting in my lazy mode, drinking Baba tea, watching my son passing leaflets. And lo and behold, again, this is the fifth time I'm saying lo and behold. I don't know why. I don't know why. And then what happened was that there was an American lady that walked in and she took the leaflet from my son and she threw it to the trash right in front of me and she wanted him to see it. She was weird, I don't know. She just threw the leaflet and my son came over and said, Abba, my, that woman threw the leaflet. And I said, son, that's a lesson that you should learn in evangelism. Don't take things personally, take it spiritually. She didn't reject you. She rejected the Messiah. She rejected Jesus. She rejected, you don't know why, but she hates not who you are. She hates the Messiah. Don't take it personally. Take it spiritually. Okay. He kept on. He said, okay, Abba. He's, he's like a soldier, my son. He's like, okay, Abba. I'll do it. He kept on <laughs> passing leaflets. And then he walked to a Chinese couple that stood in line for that bubble tea. And that person looked at that leaflet. He looks at me and he approached me and he, the first question he asked me, he said, sir, where are you from? And I'm drinking the bubble tea and I'm saying, I'm from Israel. And suddenly him and his lovely uh, fiance sat down and he didn't want to leave me. 
And he opened his iPhone and said, I was in Israel. I'm a Christian. I don't, he said, I'm praying for Israel every day. And he showed me him going in the, in the Negev and, in the, and he went through his work to Israel. And he said, I love Israel. He said, the first place I will go after I get married, I'll take my wife to Israel. And I'm telling you, in that moment, God healed me from being so resentful towards Thailand and the Asian people. He healed me right there. You know, it was unexpected. But the Lord used my son passing leaflets to bring this man to my life to speak to me about those things. To show me that not everybody out there are wicked. Not everybody there are anti-Semites. Not everybody there are choose not to fear the Lord. They're in standby. They're in standby. Some will not accept, but many will. And our God is a redeeming God. Our God. Whoa. You'll be, there'll be amazing things. If you just do your little, little bit of a step, you'll be amazed to see what God is doing. Oh, unbelievable. Under the surface, under our noses. There are millions, gazillions of stories like that. We shouldn't jump to the conclusion of Abraham and enter to a place of manipulation or heaven forbid dominion over somebody. I would advise to you, if you have, if you forced yourself over somebody to do something for you, if you forced him, repent over that. We should not enter to the survival mode. We should walk with the lamp outside and show it to everybody without fear. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not know evil. Repent. If somebody in your family forced you to do something to you, forgive them. For us the believers, it is not an option to forgive. We the believers, it's not optional. Show me where in the Bible it says that it's optional for us believers to forgive. It is our duty to forgive. I think I have 10 more minutes. Am I? 10 more minutes? I just want to share with you a little bit story of forgiveness. A few years ago, about 14 years ago, the Lord sent me to, to a nursing home. And I'm just going to tell you the story in short. Through that service of, in the nursing home, serving old Jewish people, the Lord led me to lead a wonderful lady. Her name was Miss Simpson to the Lord. She used to be a president of a synagogue here in Wichita Falls. She came to know the Lord. For 15 years, a Baptist family were praying for her. And a few weeks after she met me, she came to know the Lord. But during that time that I did the service of Kiddush, Friday evening Kiddush in that nursing home, it was... It, there were 25 yentes, 
all Jewish ladies over there. And one person, one person that his name was Al, he was Jewish and he joined the group and he used to come for the Kiddush but he never ever spoke to me. He didn't approach me. He heard that I'm a Messianic Jew. He didn't want to do any business with me. But he came to the Kiddush because he was popular. He was the only guy around all those ladies. <laughs> so, it, Rosh Hashanah came and the Lord, someone asked me to, to give a message about Rosh Hashanah. I came over with notes. I started to speak to those people. You know, Al was in the group. And suddenly, in the middle of me speaking about Rosh Hashanah and how significant it is to the Jewish people, the Lord says, raise your voice, Shaul, and yell at them about not forgiving people that are 50 years in the grave. 30 years in a grave, 40 years in a grave. And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, I don't know if I can talk. I learned to respect elderly people, not to yell at them. And the Lord, I kept on with my note, and the Lord said, yell at them <laughs> to tell them that they need to forgive people that were in the tomb for 50 years, 40 years, 30 years. So I said, okay, Lord. And suddenly I start yelling at them. What do you think you're doing? You call yourself Jews? It is Rosh Hashanah. 10 days of all and you don't forgive people in the grave, in the tomb for 50, 30, 40 years. Shame on you. And that owl, he was like in a sleeping mode like this. He, he looked at me like that. He said, amen, Rabbi. Amen, Rabbi. You know what is it to, for a Jewish man to call the Messianic Jew Rabbi? He said, amen, Rabbi. A day after he came to service, I was in shock. He asked for a specific shuttle to come for the service in a messianic congregation. And I'm like, Al is here. Oh, Lord, my heart trembled. I said, what? Al is here. He was also in a sleeping mode, but he was there. <laughs> and and uh, I said, Lord, what am I doing? What am I doing? What, 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 what am I doing with this Al? I mean, I let... Miss Simpson, but what about Al? What can I say to Al? What, 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 Lord, what, I'm, I'm talking to myself. Lo and behold, I saw Al. I said, Lord, and behold, for the sixth time. I saw, I'm telling you, it was a vision. I saw Al getting up from his wheelchair, walking to the bima, and says, Abba, I'm here. I saw this vision. I said, wow, this is unbelievable. But I just saw it. And then the Lord said, you can say whatever you want to Al. Al is mine. Al is mine. The next week I came to Al, I said, whatever I want. I spoke to Al, I said, hey, Al, are you ready to meet your Mashiach? He said, yes. That's it. And we led him to the Lord. Yeah, true story. So, we have to forgive. I want to share with you a song, just uh, for the next uh, seven minutes left. A song that was written by an Israeli singer. It's about our survival. You need to, to hear the, the words of a singer that was write, written by Meir, Meir Goldberg and was composed and was performed by a singer named Corinne Al-Al. Uh, Corinne Al-Al is a woman from Tel Aviv, like me. You know, I, I, I love, I appreciate her talent. I don't appreciate that much of her lifestyle. But this song, you have to hear what, what she sing in that song. The name of the song, Zan Nadir. Zan Nadir, a rare 
species or a rare breed. This is the words. We are scared of our own shadow, clinging to the walls of our homes. And most of the time, we are ashamed of our bodies, digging shelters. We flee from a crazy party, forced into rowboats. Each land is a drowning ship when we dig shelters. We are a rare species, a very strange bird. Our dreams and visions are in the air, but our heads in the ground. We deceive ourselves mostly, not blind, but not looking. And, and it's unclear what we leave except for our fears. There is no hope that much in that song. And this is one that grew up in Tel Aviv, a city full of, the city we say in Israel, Ir Saka, a city that never stops. Yeah, it never stops with deception, temptations, sin, and a lot of pain. But in the same city, the city of Tel Aviv that I said, it's a city of sin, it's a city of deception, in the same city, after my journey in the Far East that I thought I'll find my flying dragon and I'll come to the truth somewhere else, in that same city where I, start, I, start, I was born in, in the same city that I returned, in the same city I accepted Yeshua as Lord. In that city. Because in that city there were believers that were willing to give their lives for the gospel. That they were on their knees crying to God to bring the gospel. And God sent someone to a sinner like me. And I accepted the Lord in Tel Aviv. We always speak about, oh yeah, if you accept the Lord, it's in Jerusalem. No, Tel Aviv. The Lord revealed himself to me in that city. And I have an answer to that song of Corinne and Al as a believer. We are not a rare breed. We are formed in his image, in his likeness. We don't need to cling to the walls of our homes. We have a home built for us in heaven that we will inherit according to his promises forever. Maybe we are a little bit shy in our bodies right now, but one day all of us will receive a glorified body, a body that we will, we will do everything with it, including flying, eating, drinking, having fun, to see the Lord, of course, and to worship him forever. We are not going to run from a party. We are not going to run from the party that stand before us. The party with the Lord forever and ever to worship the Lord. Let's not any of us to miss that party. And that ground that she is now, is now one day is going to be eternal. A new heaven and a new earth. That ground will not sink. Our dreams, our visions will be in him. 
We need to lift up our eyes and trust Him. Even if we walk in the valley of shadow of death, not to be afraid, not to manipulate, not to lie, but look upon Him. Amen. So let's choose today to repent, not to twist things, not to lie, to do stop to all of those things and start in holiness. Let's not take the street as something that is a given, but lift up your eyes and look for the harvest. Amen. Amen. God bless you.